Calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Today on Lime Ninja Radio. Oh, I, you know, this experience is burned in my memory. I was having such a massive anxiety attack. And I just dropped my attention into my pituitary gland, and I probably spent an hour and a half lying there just feeling into that gland and its ability to come into harmony and begin to regulate my hormones. And I had this beautiful experience. And then when I got up from it, I felt so much better. I felt like at least that particular anxiety attack was gone and I could function. This podcast is sponsored by the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. I'm so excited to tell you about our new Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker, One of the things I hear over and over again, whether it's talking to a patient in my office or consulting over the phone with a client, is just how difficult it is to keep track of progress on their Lyme journey. Recording symptoms daily or even weekly gives them too many data points. There are so many ups and downs, twists and turns that at some point they get lost and confused. The Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker takes all the guesswork out of tracking symptoms with a simple monthly questionnaire. Once a month is the perfect interval to see if that new supplement or protocol is working. Right now, when you take the Symptom Tracker questionnaire, we give you a simple composite score for the month. But we have big plans and the data you enter will not be lost as we roll out new features. Best of all, it's free. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker and sign up. That's LimeNinjaRadio.com slash tracker You'll be glad you did. Join us every Thursday on iTunes for the latest episode of Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, I'm your host and acupuncturist, McKay Rippey, and this is episode number 197 with the creator of Red Kite Meditation, Shona Curley. Also, welcome our show producer and the brains behind Lime Ninja Radio, Aurora. Hello, and in this episode, you will learn how Shona Curley used her background in bodywork to figure out what parts of her body Lyme was affecting, how figuring out how to sleep was key to her recovery, and how the meditations she created to help her sleep turned into red kite meditations. Thanks, Aurora, and be sure to listen all the way to the end of the podcast for the Lyme Ninja Fact of the Day. As you all know, Lyme disease is an international problem. Each week we have listeners join us from all over the world. This past week we've had listeners from Sweden to Canada and from Ireland to Australia. Also, a big thank you to all you longtime Lyme Ninjas. Aurora and I really appreciate you listening. And we'd like to welcome all the new listeners out there. Welcome to Lime Ninja Radio. We're glad you tuned in. And this week, our top 10 tuning cities are... Starting at number 10, Flemington, New Jersey. Number 9, Cumberland, Rhode Island. Number 8, Stockholm, Sweden. Number 7, Sitka, Alaska. Number six, Maplewood, New Jersey. Number five, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Number four, Gainesville, Florida. Number three, Vancouver, Canada. Number two, Farmington, New Mexico. And number one, Natick, Massachusetts. And Natick, if it's Natick, we apologize. Do you know your Lyme score? If not, do yourself a favor, head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and fill out the Lyme Ninja Symptom Tracker. It's free. Oh, I've got some news on that front, too. I've been soliciting bids to turn it into an iPhone app or a phone app. It'll work on Android, too. So we'll keep you posted on that. It's going to be interesting. So you can take your survey right on your phone and then go ahead and have the results right there in a nice graphical format. So we're moving ahead with this, finally. It's been a long time. Yes. Well, the the specs that you've been discussing sound exciting. So I'm looking forward to that as well. Stay tuned, yes. as they say, news to come. Okay, Aurora, tell us a little bit more about today's guest, Shona Curley. Shona Curley was sick for years with what she thought was a chronic cold and exhaustion before being diagnosed with Lyme disease. She discovered meditation as a tool to help her heal from Lyme disease, which led to the creation of Red Kite's meditation. Thanks, Rora. And here is our interview with the creator of Red Kite Meditations, Shona Curley. Hello, 
tell me about your Lyme story. Well, um, you know how Lyme is just totally mysterious. I'm not exactly sure when I got it. I know I was bitten by a tick in 2013, 2014-ish because I pulled it out of my stomach and it was a tiny, tiny little like poppy seed-sized nymphy-looking tick. So maybe that's when I got it. Or I also had another really intense bug bite maybe six or seven years prior to that, which I don't know what kind of a bug it was, but my whole foot swelled up to the size of a balloon. I mean, it was really, it was crazy. But I didn't develop symptoms directly after either in terms of like a fever or flu-like symptoms or anything like that. It it was probably in like 2014, 2015 that I started to get sick and I got sick so slowly and gradually and strangely that, you know, I just have no idea how to pinpoint exactly where the infection came from. But most likely it was that nymph tick bite, even though I had no rash, no fever. It wasn't even in, like it hadn't been on my body very long, you know. So all of the things I was, for all of those reasons, I was told by the medical world not to even worry about it. But probably that was it. And so what were these slowly developing symptoms that you had? Well, first I just kind of had a cold that would never go away, you know, or it would go away for three days and then come back. But it was low grade and not too depleting and I So just, was it a cough? Was it phlegm? Was no, it No, neither. You know, it was like achy, a tickle tired. in the back of my throat okay. and a little bit of congestion and a feeling of my energy being not quite up to snuff, you know, and I had two little babies. I was running my own business full time and I just And not just any business. You were tired. you were teaching Pilates, right? Yeah, so it's I pretty still active business. A, yeah. Well, not really. I mean, we do <laughs> rehabilitation work, so it's it's very picky kind of brain retraining. It's talking to people all day long. Okay. It's not moving, really. Okay. But tiring still, you know, because interacting one-on-one with people is, is tiring. So I figured it was just running the business and raising two little people was just kicking my butt. S- sounds reasonable. Yeah. So, you know, I just drank more caffeine. <laughs> And called it a day for a really long time until that was just clearly no longer working. So you, it was fatigue that was really... Fatigue and endless colds. Like they, the okay. cold got worse and they would start to... I would have to stay home for a couple of days and then I would feel better and then I would get another one. It was really... It was the viral respiratory infections that was the biggest thing for me initially. And it, it just got to the point where I was like, what is wrong with me? Something is wrong with me because I would get really sick and then I would literally feel better for three days and then I'd get sick again. But I didn't know what was going on. You know, I had no idea. I just started taking some immune boosting mushrooms and echinacea and just crossing my fingers. But I didn't, you know, it was just baffling. I got homeopathy and nothing, nothing even touched it. And then it just, you know, it just got worse from there. My gut got involved. I started not being able to sleep. I started having anxiety that only got worse. And then eventually I had to take a leave of absence from work. It just, it, and at that point the fatigue was just crushing, you know? So at, at my worst, it was fatigue where getting out of bed was quite difficult. Doing any, like washing the dishes was quite difficult. And respiratory infections to the point where I was like lying around with hot compresses on my lungs and on my forehead 24 seven, which really helped actually. (laughs) Those were great. (laughs) It's not a, not the best look. (laughs) Uh, No, you know, not good for work, but yeah. So I guess fatigue, respiratory infections, gut difficulties, anxiety. And at that point, you know, the only thing I really didn't have very much of was chronic pain. Yeah. But I had all the other Lyme symptoms, and then it just took me a long time to get diagnosed, a couple of years. Now, were you not s- that long compared to some, I guess. Were you seeing doctors at the time, or did you not have... Well, first, yeah, first I went the regular medical route, and they were like, you have anxiety. Here's some Zoloft. Why don't you not call us again unless you're suicidal? Oh, thank you. So that was the end of that. Right. Well, you know, they... I'm maybe making them sound a little more demonic than they actually were. They tested me for everything and they were like, you're perfectly healthy. 
you probably have anxiety. You're perfectly healthy. Yeah, and I was like, I know my body. I am not perfectly healthy, and this I'm anxious because I'm dying. <laughs> There's a reason for me to be anxious. Yeah. So then I started seeing a naturopath slash acupuncturist Yay. who was kind of a Lyme denier. Oh, it, it was boo. funny. That was, I know. That's not I mean, how that story's supposed to turn I out. I know. And so, you know, everything he did for me was fine, but he didn't think that Lyme existed. And he he was like, you know, people can carry that bacteria or not and never get sick or possibly get sick. And I've been bitten by a tick and had a bullseye rash, and then I never got sick. He kind of was like, you may have been bitten by a tick, but that's not a big deal. Oh, my God. I know. So the acupuncture was nice, and he put me on biocidin, which actually is active against Lyme. Do you know that? Oh, absolutely. Or, it's yeah. We've interviewed the. Oh, really? The, well, the it was, inventor, you know, the, it was the formulator. Yeah, it's a good herb. Yeah, right. I liked it. Mixture. And yeah. It turned out I had a couple of parasites. I had um, diantamoeba fragilis, and God, I can't believe I can't remember the name. I forget the other one, but anyway, I had two gut parasites. So we got rid of those, and that was cool, but none of my symptoms changed at all, you know, except they got a little bit better with the biocidin, but not a lot. Really? Okay, so the, okay, interesting. So, you know, then it took me one more naturopath who didn't know what was going on before I finally found, really by accident and by, like, luck and divine destiny, I found my Lyme doctor who got me diagnosed within, like, three weeks. And then... You know, God, it's just been such a relief to know what's going on. I, As I was waiting for the test results, I was scared, of course, because I kind of knew that it was likely they would come back positive. Mm-hmm. But then when I finally got the positive result, it was like, oh, thank, you know, thank God. It's just nice to know. Yeah. And nice to know you're not falling apart for no reason. And it's, you know, it's not your fault. <laughs> you didn't do anything wrong. And it happens to other people besides you it just was so nice to know what was happening you know it's i totally understand when i got bit however i felt miserable i never found the tick but just was a summertime flu the mother of all flus and i was crawling to the bathroom one sunday morning and you know gonna look at my eyes and see how bloodshot they were and i saw a bullseye (laughs) rash on my arm and i swear to you in that instant I felt better. Oh, because you knew? You knew looking at it like, oh, this is Lyme disease. Uh, seeing the bullseye rash, yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So th- there's, there is something about understanding the source of your misery. Oh, my God. That it's is healing. It's an enormous relief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Huge relief. Right. Now, what did you do as an intervention? Did you start on antibiotics or what did um, you do? Well, initially I started on Stephen Buhner's herbal protocol. Okay. And I didn't feel strong enough to do, I didn't want to do, first of all, I didn't want to do antibiotics Mm because I had a strong opinion that they were not cool, um, which I've since revised. (laughs) Along with all my other strong opinions, I've had to revise that one. So Lyme will do that to you. I know. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you, you think you know anything? So sorry. Anyway, yeah, so I did the Buner protocol for like five months, and I actually was doing really well on it, but then I got a case of strep throat from my kids, and it just knocked me on my booty, and I yes. could not recover from it. I had a pretty intense Lyme relapse, and at that point, I actually found a medical intuitive through a friend with Lyme, and she told me the antibiotics are a really good fit for your body. She was like, I never recommend that people do them. It's rare that I tell anybody with Lyme to try antibiotics, but she was like, you should start them tomorrow. And honestly, that was my gut feeling as well. Just at that point, after doing five, six months of the Buner herbs, I felt like I could handle it. Yeah. So I started yeah. IV ceftriaxone oh my every goodness. five okay. days. You didn't go, <laughs> you didn't just dip your toe in the water. You went. No, I didn't want to do oral antibiotics. I felt. Yeah. Well, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I think bypassing the gut with the antibiotics is is a smart thing to do. Yeah, and, you know, it really helped. So I've done that. I'm still doing them, hoping to get off that by October, November ish. And then I've just added other things along the way. I take like 500 billion supplements. I'm getting IV glutathione, which I think is really amazing, and some ozone. And then a lot of meditations. Yes. Let's begin to talk about that. Tell me about your sleep during all this. 
Oh, my God. It was a mess. <laughs> well, let's see. So, first of all, I had PTSD because my second child was such an ornery sleeper. He was just one of those babies who wanted a boob in his mouth or bust. He would wake up anytime he wasn't nursing and cry. So he was in bed with me waking up constantly until he was a year and a half. And I finally sleep trained him. That's a lot lot of sleep deprivation. (laughs) It was really, really, really intense. And I was so non functional cognitively that whole year and a half. It just was so difficult. I was woken up so often. Now, did you have Lyme at the same time as this was happening? Well, this is what I don't know. I don't know. But I uh, think that regardless... This would set you up sleep, for it. Absolutely. Yeah. It just totaled my immune system. Yes. Yeah. Among other things. Right. You know, so that so makes sleep difficult anyway. The other funny thing is our gut bacteria have a circadian rhythm too. It's like everything's got a circadian rhythm. It's not just us. Yeah. And it's, we're designed to sleep, you know, sun goes down. We're designed to slow down or at least sit by a fire and tell stories, not watch television. Right. But you know, that's what we do now. Yeah. Oh, that's just so true. And there's so much, so much harmony and beauty found in that simple act of being able to lie down and sleep through the night. (laughs) <laughs> That's beautifully said. Okay, so you go, you're sleep deprived from having a young child who doesn't sleep very well. Yes, for whatever. And reasons. then I got Lyme. So and, and then you, you know, get Lyme. after being tortured by being woken up every half hour, hour for eighteen months, it becomes hard to sleep generally. Like my nervous system just got wrecked. It was any little sound, I would wake up, and then I would be afraid. You know, it was really, honestly, it was PTSD and I still feel it. Like if something wakes me up, my nervous system goes, oh no, I'm not going to be able to fall back asleep. Or you, you what's go the point from, in trying to fall back asleep? Something yeah. else is just going to wake me up. You, you know? go from zero to hundred percent mile an yeah. hour. Yeah. Instantly. Yeah. So that, I mean, it's gotten a lot better, but I still notice that in my nervous system a little bit. And mm-hmm. then when I got Lyme, oh my God, it just ruined my sleep. It was so hard to sleep and it was so hard to get better. Because I wasn't sleeping and I was scared of not sleeping. And you know what I mean? It's just yeah. was such a vicious cycle. You should look forward to going to bed, but instead you well, look you at that bed it. and you go, here's my hell. Right. <laughs> and did you get the day night inversion thing where you wanted to sleep all during the day and stayed not up really. the night? Okay. You just couldn't sleep and exhausted all the time. Yeah. It just, it, yeah. It was chronic fatigue and my gut was so wacky. I would, I had the weirdest symptoms. I would wake up at three in the morning with, with flooding adrenaline through my system hmm. and it just, I couldn't make any sense of it. It was literally, I could feel the adrenaline like pouring into my system and oh, it was just such a disgusting feeling. Yeah. And well, I don't know. Th- th- there's a normal, that's a little bit early, but part of our wakes, part of our cycle is that the body does give us a little adrenaline in the morning. So we wake up and that's mm-hmm. why with uh, some people they're, they're more heart attacks in the morning because we do get this surge of adrenaline and that's, that's or cortisol, one of the two, probably both, Okay, but that's natural. That's what wakes us up in the morning. So our blood pressure is a little bit higher. Our blood yeah. sugar goes up, all that kind of thing. 3 a.m. is a little early and it's not supposed to open the floodgates and let everything out. Right. 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 <laughs> so that definitely was, was impaired there. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting. Chinese medicine would say 3 a.m., you know, depending on whether it's daylight savings time is right, right around lung time. And I'm trying to think, well, what does the lung have to do with that? And I'll, I don't know, tell you the truth. I don't Honestly, know I never figured imagined. it out. I still yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, you had all those lung issues, so maybe that was part of it. Anyway. True. Yeah. But uh, I'm interrupting you. Okay. So okay. massive adrenaline surge, 3 a.m., you're awake, nobody else is. So, yeah. So the anxiety started to be my worst symptom at mm. a certain point. It yeah. just... And it's like you're afraid of the anxiety, and that's just ridiculous. Right, you know? you're, you're anxious about the anxiety. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So it's just a self-perpetuating vortex. It is. So, and this is way pre-diagnosis. And, you know, my background is in movement and then in sort of feeling through tissue layers in terms of body work and guiding movement and even like a source for dance inspiration. I don't know if you've ever heard of Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen. Do you know who she is? No, I don't. She's out by you somewhere up in... I think, 
New York State, maybe. I okay. hope. Anyway, she is a genius dancer, teacher, and she's pioneered um, something called body-mind centering, and I trained with a bunch of people that trained with her when I was dancing. And what it is is basically using your imagination to kind of flow through different tissue layers in the body as an inspiration for movement. And so the movement will harmonize the tissue layer and the tissue layer will inspire the movement. So it's a really kind of deeply fascinating way to work with dance movement creation. Hmm. So you might go through the bone marrow or you might go through the kidney adrenals or you might go through, you know, anything. You can really pick it, your thyroid gland or your pituitary or your cerebrospinal fluid. Like you can pick any tissue layer and learn about it and then embody it and then embody it through movement or through meditation or through touch. So she has been just one of my greatest inspirations and most incredible teachers throughout the course of my career, whether teaching movement or doing body work or dancing. And so when I got sick, I just turned to that. It was what I knew. You know, I didn't, nobody could tell me what was wrong with me. And, but I could feel the tissue layers that weren't working. So the first thing I started with, I mean, I could just feel that my hormones were a total mess, like just mass chaos. So the first thing I started with was my pituitary gland. And now I, you know, this experience is burned in my memory because it was the beginning of red kite meditations. Was I lay down on my bed and I was, you know, losing it with anxiety. I was having such a massive anxiety attack. And I just dropped my attention into my pituitary gland and I probably spent an hour and a half lying there just feeling into that gland and its ability to come into harmony and begin to regulate my hormones more calmly and more kind of consistently. And I had this beautiful experience. And then when I got up from it, I felt so much better. I felt like at least that particular anxiety attack was gone and I could function. So I had a tool, you know, that was much better than any, any tool anybody else was giving me. So I just started really working with it and going through all of these different systems in my body that felt compromised. And even though I, you know, I had no idea that it was Lyme that was having, that was making me feel sick, I I could tell my lymphatic system wasn't draining properly. I could tell my thyroid wasn't working correctly. You know, I I could tell that my kidneys and my adrenals were going insane. <laughs> so I just used body-mind centering and my own practice of dropping into these layers as a way of calming my nervous system and, and reharmonizing some of these systems within my body. And not only did it work for me in the moment, but it also started helping me sleep. So what I wound up doing was recording, you know, kind of honing whatever the visual imagery was I was working with that was working for me. I worked with these meditations, you know, this is a process of like two years, two and a half years. I worked with them so much in my own head. And then I recorded them on my phone and then I would, and then I wrote them out and I would rewrite them and re-record them and rewrite them and re-record them until it got to a point where they would just put me right back to sleep. I would have my phone by my bed, turn them on at 3 a.m., the adrenaline would chill out and leave me alone, and I would fall asleep again. And then, I, you know, I began sleeping through the night. If I would wake up a couple of times, I would just turn a meditation on, but I could sleep, and that was huge. So I started to feel like I had some control and like I actually could begin to, my immune system could begin to recover because I was sleeping. That's really cool. I was going to ask you if you uh, uh, developed a pituitary dance. <laughs> no, you know, honestly, I was too tired to dance. At this point, I couldn't move. I could only, like, that's what I would have done in the past uh-huh. is do it through movement, but I couldn't. I was too exhausted, but I could just lie there in bed and use my mind. And actually that I felt like I was better at than normal because I was already in that sort of almost asleep, half-dreaming plain from the exhaustion mm-hmm. <laughs> where imagery is just, you know, so juicy in that period of time where you're just slightly between sleeping and waking. Mm-hmm. So I felt like I was a better body traveler with Lyme than I had been without Lyme. That's so interesting. 
that's yeah that has been the silver lining for me is you know becoming better at using imagery developing it inhabiting it that's been the gift that Lyme has had for me reminds me a little bit of the origin story for qigong and oh really yes that it was inspired by animal movements oh neat and so somebody who knows the Buddha, who I forget who the the watcher is, who who they attributed to, uh, is watching these animals move and realizes that there's uh, a pattern and that it mo- and that there's certain movements with the different animals and the different energy mm-hmm. with them, and that so they incorporated that into into a dance essentially. I mean, that's all qigong mm-hmm. is some very simple movements. But it's the same sort of thing that, I mean, we don't, they didn't think that in terms of pituitary and because they just didn't have that type of anatomy and physiology. It was taboo to cut people up. So they, yeah. they knew there were organs in there, but it wasn't like the understanding that the, the Italians and the, the Renaissance artists developed by dissecting thousands and thousands of corpses. Yeah. So, sure. but, and, and, and it's just, it's just fascinating to hear. I'm going to have to look up your friend and mentor. And see what she has to say because that's yeah that's definitely look her up. She really is a genius. She really truly is. It would a be interesting for me to put needles at the end of that instead of instead of uh, body touch type thing, touching therapy. Right. So now you've got these recordings. They're helping you sleep. They're helping you get through this really tough period of time. Then what? Um. Let's see. So it was last summer that I finally had them recorded on my phone and working quite well for me. And then that was the same time I got diagnosed. And then I had this sort of epiphany of like, oh my God, I have Lyme and these recordings are treating the systems that is that are affected by Lyme to a, to a good degree, you know? So I thought I might have something I could actually share with other people with Lyme because I started learning about Lyme and reading about it and realizing how horribly stranded so many people are with Lyme with very few interventions that actually make a difference. And even if they do make a difference, you're looking at a long time of healing. And, you know, not just for for myself as well. Just it's not a quick fix, no matter what. So I just felt like I got, honestly, I just felt like there was this strange serendipitous current. I had a moment, I woke up in the morning and I was like, I need to call my friend Alex Theory, who's a musician who I'd worked with. I hadn't seen him for like 17 years, but I knew he was into meditation. I knew, and I knew I liked his energy, you know, so I reached out. I didn't even have his phone number or even know he was still in San Francisco, but I Facebook messaged him and said, you know, I'm working on this project and I think I might actually want to record it professionally what's your deal? And he turned out to be still in San Francisco and he had like two months before his next big project started. So we went out for coffee and it just, it was like kismet, you know, it just felt like it was meant to be. He had the time and I was nervous to take that big leap and record professionally and put it, put these meditations out there professionally. Cause the, you know, they were just, I hadn't even really told anybody that I was doing this. I was just, I don't even think my husband knew I was doing it. It was just what I did at 3 a.m. when I couldn't sleep. <laughs> but after talking to Alex, he was one of his really close friends had Lyme, and he was just so encouraging, and it just felt so right. So we just went for it. We spent a, like three, four months actually wound up being long, a longer process than either one of us had anticipated. But we spent quite a while recording the meditations, and he wrote the music for them. And it was so much fun. It just was such a blast. I I loved every minute of it. It felt so right, and it felt scary in that I was putting just a piece of my soul out there, you know, very raw and vulnerable. It's like the heart of my emotional life is in those meditations. And we worked our butts off on them, and I think that they're really good. You know, I wound up just feeling so grateful for the chance to have worked with him and the chance to have made a piece of art essentially that I think can help people with Lyme disease. So I built the website and I taught myself how to build a website on Squarespace (laughs) and put them out there. And that's how it's gone. And what's been the absolute best part of it is the messages that I get back from people that are listening to them saying, 
I've, you know, the last one I got was from someone who said, I've been taking 300 milligrams of trazodone every night for the last 10 years, and I'm off all my sleep meds meds now that, now that I'm listening to the meditations. And like, that just makes me want to cry right now that I just can't believe that it's, it's so wonderful for me to feel like I went through this terrifying and dark period of time and somehow was able to pull something back with me from it that's helping other people. And it just makes it all worth it. It makes, and it makes me feel so connected and just so humbled. That's the story. <laughs> it's a lovely story. And I'm particularly fascinated with non, what do I want to say? Non-substance interventions. Right. So stuff, yeah. you, stuff you can do without swallowing or injection. And yeah. I'm not denigrating those because they absolutely have their place. We need stuff in our body to live. We can't live yeah. on air alone, despite what some yogis say. You can, <laughs> you can Maybe some people can, but well, I've never met one. Right, in sunlight. You can live a long time without uh, any food, but you can't live forever. Anyway, yeah. I don't want to get down that road. The point that I'm trying to get to is that I believe we we used to we – Western culture used to have some traditions in disciplining and training our brains. Hmm. Those are long gone. I know we need to find, we need to find ways to use the immense power that we have yeah. in our imagination and our heart. And medi- meditation is one of those trainings. Yeah. So like you were talking about being anxious and being anxious about anxious. And if you let those horses run wild. Oh, yeah. Right. They will just stampede until they're exhausted and then they'll take a rest and gather their strength again to go running around again. It's true. And it becomes a pattern. Right. And then you go to the doctors and what they want to do, they want to give you a sedative. Yeah. And anti-anxiety, something to alter your brain chemistry as if that were the only option. And, you know, sometimes it is. Sometimes things are so far gone that you can't even do anything. But the other one that you bring up is let's begin to, and it's funny that paying attention is really the skill and really the skill we've lost because now it's hard for us to sit still for two minutes Without right. picking up the phone, if everything's quiet, it's like you just you start twitching, you know, and you feel the phone buzzing mm-hmm. in your pocket, even though it's not buzzing, and mm-hmm. you, your your brain screaming out for a distraction, and we're we're unable just to sit there and be bored, right? Or be quiet. Yeah, be quiet. Then you start paying attention to your body. Oh, I'm feeling this. Not like oh my god, there's a problem. I'm feeling this. It's just like oh, I'm feeling this. Now I'm yeah. feeling this. Oh, and now I'm feeling this. Isn't that interesting? True. And I, I mean, I even think, too, that, there, I mean, there's not a great language to use with <laughs> regards to this kind of power. There's but, no language. <laughs> you know, in our imaginations, in our deeper silence, there is incredible juiciness and healing power and connectivity and meaning, you know. And I think that, you know, we all have access to that. It's a it's a wellspring of potential in every human being. And I don't know, I feel like if I can be a small voice for us dropping into that imaginative realm, that's kind of neither here nor there, but many things are possible. That would just be the journey of a lifetime for me. I, that's where I want to be. You know, that reminds me of Victor Frankl and I'm blank on the name of his book, that he wrote when he was in the concentration camps. Uh, I've never heard of this. Oh, it's something in meaning or, and and the point is he, so he's in a concentration camp and he's, everything is stripped away from him in, and almost up to his life. He, he, He never gets killed, obviously, but he gets to this point where he realizes that the guards cannot take him. It's like there's a part of him that is his soul, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, is untouchable. Yeah. And once he stands there, he starts to build his life back out again. Yeah. And he has some peace and joy. And his situation's still terrible. 
they may send him off to, you know, get gas the next day. But somewhere he finds peace and power in this. And in interviewing people like you who really, really struggle with Lyme, and I imagine it's the same with many other struggles uh, and uh, chronic diseases, but you know, Lyme is the one we're talking about here, that people are able to find this space. And they talk about it. They either talk about the it's the silver lining or they're a gift of Lyme, or they're always a little bit embarrassed and you know feel a little bit funny about it. But there's this point in time where they get stripped down to the core yeah. and find themselves. And yeah. then once you get to that point, then you can start, things start changing in the other direction. Maybe you're right, or maybe, and maybe that's what disease has to teach us. I'm not sure. It's one of the there, teachers. Yeah, there's a place where you realize that that there, your essence, your energy, your spirit, your soul, or whatever, is not touched by Lyme or any other passing catastrophe. <laughs> that there's some living part of you, essentially, that isn't touched. Yeah. Man's Search for Meaning is the name. I Googled it while we, you were oh, talking. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have heard the name of that book, but I, you know, I've never read it. That sounds amazing. It's, yeah, it was his, his version of that journey. It's, it's, the, it's the journey through life, right? It's every, yeah. it's every Disney movie. It's every, you know, it's every That's great true. story, right? Is yeah. person finds themselves. The person finds themselves. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's amazing part of your your journey too. Now, I would have to say, as a dancer, you probably had a little bit of a head start. Oh, absolutely. And there's a just, lot of training there on paying attention to very small, tiny things and being huge able to maintain. Of hours. Yes, yes. And being able yeah. to maintain that concentration over time. And again, yes. our struggle now is that we're, are we able to focus on anything more than 15 seconds without looking for the, the next little thing? Yeah. Well, I guess that's everyone's that's the decision to make whether creating that kind of ability is worth it to them. You know, <laughs> With Lyme disease and might, and meditation's a great way to do that. Well, you're stuck in bed with Lyme anyway. You may what else are you going to do? Right? Amazing with your brain, you know? <laughs> so, so what have you... Uh, I've perused some of your blog posts, and you seem to be very interested in what happens physiologically when somebody's meditating. So what have you learned that meditation, so it has these benefits, you feel better, things can get better, but what are you finding research is showing meditation is doing to the body? Well, I think that 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 is yet to be determined because it's so complex. And what you mean by meditation is also very complex. Like there's a billion different ways to meditate and none of them are wrong. You know, you can just follow your breath with your attention, or you can be paying attention as the observer to emotions as they rise and pass away and how they express in your body, or you can be doing something more like what I do in the guided meditations, which is, you know, going through your own physiology and seeing how paying attention to it can change it or visualizing it changing can change your experience. So, I mean, I think those three things do very different things to you physiologically, and I don't think anyone has the answer to exactly what they do. But I do think there's a lot of research that shows that your frontal lobe, your executive brain, the most current evolution of the brain, gets flushed with blood and oxygen. And the centers for reasoning and rational thinking become heightened. This is all from, I just finished this book called Power Up Your Brain by David Perlmutter and Alberto Violdo. Oh, very cool. I'm kind of quoting that book. With yeah. So they talk a lot about the frontal brain getting flushed with blood and oxygen when you're meditating. Um, the other thing that happens is your mitochondria start to perform better. Why? I don't know. But they seem to be able to be more resilient and create energy more effectively when you have a meditation practice and during meditation itself. So that's huge for people with Lyme because, you know, mitochondrial function is affected by the toxicity created by Borrelia and friends. And, you know, I think also just the chemicals that you can produce in your brain when you're feeling peaceful, when you're feeling blissful. And 
This is why for a beginning meditator, meditation can be annoying. It can be really irritating. You can be sitting there going, why would I want to watch my brain obsess over what I'm going to have for dinner again? This is driving me insane. I'm just going to go outside and go running. (laughs) And that's kind of how I used to be. If I used movement to channel my attention or visualizing one of these deeper physiological systems, then the focus would be different for me. I would actually start to feel blissful. I would start to feel connected and more alive, more relaxed, like a flower opening. So that kind of meditation, when they've looked at brain scans of people in those states, they've seen an increase in serotonin, an increase in oxytocin, increase in dopamine, like all of the yummy feel-good hormones start to increase when you're feeling really deeply, deeply relaxed and well. So... I mean, I think you have to be either a very practiced meditator or you have to have a form of meditation that encourages the creation of those feelings when you're starting off. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do with Red Kite is help people who are not necessarily longtime meditators or people that have had, you know, 40 years of dance practice, but people that are new at it and not only new at it, struggling with Lyme disease on top of it and just give them a path where it's not about just sitting there and watching what your mind is up to because that can be a nightmare. But you actually have a path to creating some of these blissful, joyful, peaceful, relaxing feelings that are actually in and of themselves healing for not just the brain but the immune system as well. I remember growing up listening to stories on records. I don't know why my parents bought me these, but they did. And... I still remember snippets of these stories, but mostly the feeling of just sitting and listening to them Mm. and just losing myself in them. And uh, at some point, it it was a a type of guided meditation, right? That's so true. And in some ways, that's, that's why I was attracted to starting a podcast to begin with is... It, you can lose yourself. And, you know, like you, we get the similar type of emails from time to time and people saying, you know, thank you. You know, listen, listening was one of the few things I could do. I was so sick. And, right. you know, it, it, there's a deep connection. Again, that kind of, we talked about earlier, the, the cave and the fire and listening to stories around the, the campfire. Yeah. There's something very deep about kind of drifting off and listening to somebody's voice. That's so absolutely true. And, you know, just that, just bringing your attention to the flow of someone's voice, that's meditation. Yes. One of my favorite meditation stories was, this is in the 60s or the 70s, and transcendental meditation is just kind of making its way. And there got some early wealthy adherents, and they're funding some research. So they're in the lab, and they've got these very practiced meditators. And this woman who's had been meditating for years and years and years and years and years is one of the test subjects. They, you know, had the EEG, so the brain scan electrodes on her, and she gets up for a session, and she starts walking over to the to the scientist and says, "You might as well just throw this recording out because that was at the absolute." Worst meditation session I have had in my 20 years, and I couldn't hold the thought for more than 10 seconds. And right, and and the scientists' mouths dropped open, and they said, "We were about to tell you the exact opposite, and we have seen the strongest, you know, relaxation meditation signals that we have seen yet today." And we were, we were wondering what was going on over there with you. How wild. Isn't that? And so this is somebody who's practiced at meditation. So, you know, there's this funny. So she was focusing so closely on her not focusing that she was in a deep, deep meditative state. Amazing. Even, even, you know, without the bliss, you know, she, she, she wanted the bliss feeling, right? Give me the bliss. Give me the bliss. You know, that's, I think that the bliss is, you know, a bonus and happens sometimes, but. That may not be the core of meditation. That may just be something that happens. This, you know. So if if you if you meditate with that in mind, you may be disappointed more often mm. than you're not, and give up too early. Oh, it's like oh, I'm supposed to feel, you know, like I'm walking right. on the ceiling. Well, maybe. 
I think it's nice to feel when you're starting out, though, just to give you a reason to keep going. Yes, yes. And most people, I think, do feel more relaxed. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's true, too. I, yeah. I think... I'm not trying to say, oh, don't, no, you know, don't do it. You're not going to feel any different. Yeah, you're going to feel different. Of course you're going to feel different. Right, right. But, and, but it's, not know, ne- it's not necessary to feel wonderful. In order for it to actually be beneficial. Yeah. That's really neat. That's yeah. neat. Yeah. Because there are times, I mean, for me still, where I'm just really irritated with myself. Yes, exactly. <laughs> for sure. We're s- sitting there or lying there quietly and feeling like I really have to go to the bathroom. I really have to go to the bathroom. I really have to go to the bathroom. My legs are tickling. I want to get up and run. Yeah. Uh, Shona, you have been very generous with your time. Oh, and thank you so much for calling me. Expertise and your knowledge. I want to give you the last word. Let folks who know where they can find red kite meditations and any other last thoughts you want to leave us with. Red Kite Meditations is, is online, redkitemeditations.com. Let's see, last thoughts. I think just what I'm most heartfeltly passionate about right now in terms of sharing with people is just how much beauty every single person has inside their body and inside their heart and their experience. And it doesn't matter how sick you are, you still have that power. And it doesn't matter... If we die, we're going to die. We're all going to die. We still have that power. It's still beautiful. It's still unique. It still belongs to this expression of you in this life. And it's still worthy. Even if you're miserably sick with Lyme disease, that power is in your body and it's still worthy. That's my last word. (laughs) Beautifully said. Thanks. Thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure to be on your show. You're very, very, you're very welcome. welcome. Yes. This was a really cool interview. You know, I enjoy when we're able to have people who work with their bodies, like Pilates instructors and things like that on, because they think about how to interact in a different way. And, It reminded me, actually, of a friend I had in high school. For whatever reason, I was hugging her, and I noticed that her elbow was buzzing. And when I was discussing it with Jasmine, actually, at the end So what do you mean by buzzing? Because this is like a little family thing we have. I know, I know, I know. So you could... She had tendonitis in her in her arm and she was a viola player and she was basically unable to play the viola. um. Right. But what's buzzing? It's bad energy. I know. But what do you feel when it's buzzing? It literally feels like there's a bee. That's what I want to say. So you touched your elbow. So I touched her elbow and it felt like there was a bee underneath her skin. That's what I'm trying to get at. Okay. Uh, it, it felt like there was a bee underneath her skin. There was so much just like bad juju down in there. And I was asking, I was talking to Jasmine about it the other day. How can somebody not realize there's something that bad going on with it? And what Jasmine said, something very insightful. She said, well, she probably shut it out because it's hurt so bad. I just thought that was so telling, and I, th- that's why I think it's really brave of some of these folks who are able to tune in when they're this sick to um, to be able to get in- back in touch with their body and um, figure out what's going on there. Very interesting point you bring up. One of my acupuncture teachers and one of the founders of the institute that I went to Her name's Diane Connolly. She wrote a book called All Sickness is Homesickness. And often in the process of getting sick, particularly very sick, like with chronic Lyme, we begin to disassociate from our bodies. And really, in order to fully heal, we have to reintegrate. And I think that's what Shona Curley was showing us, telling us in the interview, that Part of her healing process was to check back in. Now, as a dancer, former dancer and Pilates instructor, that's her training. 
is to pay very close attention to the body. But I think that's a very powerful lesson that if we've cut off part of awareness to our bodies, then we've cut off part of the energy flow. You can think of in terms of uh, nerve flow, maybe that part of our brain, however you want to put it. But in order to become whole again, we need to bring that awareness fully in. A lot of times you have to go through the pain, go through the discomfort, go through the illness of the, uh, the organ or the dysfunction of the organ in order to heal properly. And it's a funny thing. It's a funny way of thinking about it, but it seems to hold true over and over again. All right. That was uh, quite the discussion yes. there. Almost a whole nother interview. Yep. <laughs> Bonus interview here at Lime Ninja Radio, just for free. If you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, subscribe on the podcast app that you're using right now. And if you really like what we're doing, give us a five-star rating and leave us a review. You can also do that right in your podcast app. And if you really, really like what we're doing, I'd appreciate if you donate $1 a month through our website. Just head on over to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you'll see the link to become a patron. For just $1, you can help us make the world a better place for people with tick-borne diseases. Head on over to our new homepage, www.LimeNinjaRadio.com, and look for the link under the How Can We Help You headline. A big shout-out to our newest patrons, Catherine and Gemma. Thank you for making the world a better place for people with Lyme and other tick-borne diseases. If you have any feedback, suggestions for guests, anything, really, send an email to feedback at LimeNinjaRadio.com. To steal a phrase from another podcast, love us or hate us, just don't ignore us. And last, as you longtime Lime Ninjas know, and those of you perhaps listening to the end for the very first time, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja Fact of the Day. Did you know that ninjas run so fast that after they've stopped, they have to wait for their shadow to catch up? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.